I need, I think I need another cheeseburger. I almost feel like this, this is like when, when Al Bundy comes in the front door and the crowd goes crazy. And then he goes, ah, fat woman came to the, fat woman came to the store today, Peg. <laughs> Gosh, That's how the show starts. Yeah. Well, I also love how you always give a good countdown, like for no reason. It's like, yeah. Huh? I'm the, the cameraman from Wayne's World. That's what I was exactly They're, what I was thinking. And was it when they, when they get to the studio, it's a little bit different. Remember, is that, am I remembering that correctly? Well, they just never did like a professional setup, and you're supposed to, yes, when they're counting. And five, four, three, two, and one are silent because they're going to turn on the mics for the for the yeah. hosts. And you know what? Watch any news, like local news, whatever. At the end, they cut your mics, and you're supposed to talk to each other. Like that's a legitimate thing. Yeah. And that was man. When I was in broadcasting school, that was that was the most fun because you would just try to make each other laugh. That was the whole point. That was just. Because it looks like regular banter. It's like, you know, you're a real fuck-up. Like, you just turn at each other and just like, you're a real piece of shit. You know that? Yeah. Hey, remember when you fucked up that story like four seconds ago? God damn, I wanted to punch you right in the dick. Who, what, can't say rhubarb? Motherfucker. <laughs> just, just pie season, idiot. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, we tried that. when. I, so my first job when I was teaching television production at a high school, we, we tried that. Where you have the camera way in the back. So you get, you get like... The back of the cameras, the back of the cameramen, you know, dim lighting all the way to the lighting. And, you know, then the dickhead audio guy would want to, like, unmute real quick. Like, ah, you just can't trust those kids. As a matter of fact, someone – we, we cut to this – is, this is a terrible story. I, I, I don't say no one's got me fired, but, it, God, it made me – so it makes me mad talking about it. They had a sports desk, and unbeknownst to me – uh, they had a bunch of paper balls ready to roll and to throw at the sports guy when they when they were ready to like cut it back to the main desk, and they threw them at him and boom, 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 boom. and then not realizing they thought that their mics were were muted, which they weren't. The guy left them on. And someone's like, "Oh, so he likes taking balls in the face?" <laughs> and I was like, <sighs> "Can we get over that stuff now?" I, know, I think we've talked about this before, but like, can can like the you hear so much bad stuff on TV anymore. Can we get rid of all this? Can we just be real on TV now? Like, can we be done with, like, the broadcaster, the Joe Bucks of the world, that just speak like this all the time without breaking character and not saying a bad word? Can we just, like, isn't that why people kind of like Tony Romo the most of all the broadcasters? Because it just sounds like he's just, like, a dude talking. He, he, yeah. he censors himself from saying the F word, but. Yeah. Also, like, he knows what the fuck he's talking about. Like, I don't Chris Collinsworth is just Chris Collinsworth and threw a bunch of fucking drunk words through a, fu- you know, underneath a half pint of gin he had before he started. And fucking Tony Romo was like, see, see that? See that? See that coverage right there? See that coverage hole? Watch, he's going to dump this off right there. They're going to gain like 10 yards. And he, and then they do it. And you're like, wow, why couldn't you win a Super Bowl, Tony Romo? Let's look at you knowing stuff. You know, like it's it's valuable insight that he offers. You know, during the season, they told him to stop doing that and uh, never. And that and everybody hated it, well, you know, because then he just yeah. becomes every regular broadcaster. Yeah, they sucked. told him they let him they let him off the leash a little bit for the playoffs, and yeah. so you saw him call and plays again. Yeah, it's like why would you why would you stymie the thing that makes him the possibly the best football broadcaster in the business right now? Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah, like the millions of paying people who don't fucking know the X's and O's, like the professional quarterback, find it interesting and valuable instead of listening to fucking. 
you know, with these fucking idiots jibber jabber about stupid shit. Like, yeah, yeah give it to us. I want to know. And if Randy Reed gets found out, that's his fucking problem. He's got a job to do, and it's not let Tony Romo blow up your game plan. Like, it's <laughs> not my fucking it's problem. Th- three guys who, I, Alan, did you? I, I don't know that. Did you ever play any? I never played organized football. Murray, yeah. you didn't. Alan, did you? Yeah, when I was like 12, 13, 14. Okay. So some, but I yeah, like, not a lot. I, I, I don't, I'm not insightful in the sport, but I know the sport. When Romo was doing that, I was engaged. I was locked in, you know, especially after the play when he did, you know, break, break it down nexus and O's. It was like, whoa, holy shit. I loved it. Ate it up. Do you think they'll do the same with, uh, with Brady? You think they'll, uh, I don't think they'll... they can, I don't think they're going to tell, I think they're so like, the new Corvette just pulled onto the showroom floor. They're going to be like, Tom, whatever you want to do, man, that's going to be a okay with us. And I bet you Brady like breaks down. Like I bet Brady does what Romo does, but for like an entire series, like that, ah, you know, first down, you know, if you go play action on this one, then you're going to see a run on this. And then you're going to see an out on this one. If they don't get it, you're going to punt the heat. I bet he's going to do like, like almost like blow up the entire the yeah. entire series it's, before it starts. Like those sportscasters watch tape like quarterbacks, you know what I mean? But like they don't have the vision that they have. So like, yeah, it's great and all. Like you hear these commentators are like, oh yeah, you know, I saw I was watching a little tape, saw him do that. They're they're really into heavy play action game plan. And then Romo's like, Yeah, watch this fucking that linebacker's gonna suck up here. And especially now with like defenses and hiding movements and shit. Like back in the day, like it was fourth. Four three three four. You got fuck couple di- hands in the dirt. Couple guys fucking standing up. You don't know. That's about it. We kind of fig- uh, figure understand where the fucking lane assignments are. Now it's just fucking ten grown fucking adults standing around, being like, "What are we gonna do? One of us is coming. Maybe, maybe not." And like, they can see that. I don't fucking see that anymore. Like. 15 years ago, I was like, oh, all right, I kind of understand what's about to happen here. Now, I'm like, I don't even know who's playing. Who's that fucking guy? What position does he play? Is he a linebacker? He's wearing a cornerback number, but he's got his hand on the fucking ground. Like, I don't fucking know. And Tony Romo's like, check that shit out. I got you. Like, yeah, let the man off the leash. Well, that's been the part of, like, the the New Heights podcast that I've enjoyed is listening to Jason and Travis break things down. Like, Travis, you know, because of the media and the Taylor Swift stuff, like, you know, people – it's almost like people forget that he's one of the greatest football players to play the game, and he has a vision for the game. And them breaking down plays, like, okay, like the one that got called back where he he ends up, like, lateral in the ball Mm -hmm. and the guy was offsides or lined up offsides, like – Jason asks him, well, how did you know he was there? You never turned your head. And he goes through, like, where everybody should be on the field based on how he caught the ball. He was like, if I caught the ball because I was open, that means so-and-so's here, this guy was over here, and the safety was pulled this way, and I know which route he's running, which means if he's still running that route, he'll be there, so I just need to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy shit. Like, that's fucking – It's." You don't get into the Hall of Fame without a genius level IQ of some kind. I'm not saying he can do math, and I'm not saying he can write a book, but his ability to study game film and understand, like, the space of football, like, Mm -hmm. that's on another level that you and I and most of the public can't understand. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... It's. I mean, anyone who's played organized sport, I think, probably through a high school level, has some aspect of that. But not. You're right. Like there, that's a fucking different level. Like, 
you know, you guys played soccer, right? Like you knew where you you generally knew where your guys were on the pitch. Like mm-hmm. you you know what areas you guys are supposed to be in. You know when somebody sucked out of that position and you get to fucking railroad them for that shit. Like you know what I mean. So like I think most athletes have it, but you're right to do it on that level in those circumstances and like you know i'm using soccer that's fucking cheap dude we don't we don't got plays you know it's just a bunch of fucking dudes staying in spaces you know what i mean that motherfucker's got like 1300 fucking plays up here and he's yeah. got to know where everybody is and he's supposed to be at all fucking times like that's just crazy well i think that's the difference between somebody that's going to make it into the hall of fame and somebody is not is like yes he's got all that information in his head where like I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, who's the fast guy on the the Dolphins? Used to play for the Chiefs. Hill. 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 Yeah, Tyreek Hill. He doesn't have 1,300 plays in his head and know where everybody. Is. He's like, I go straight and turn left, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hill. Yeah. He, he might make it to the Hall of Fame, and he knows one play fast. <laughs> speed. Yeah. I was going to. You were going to say the difference between making the Hall of Fame and not. I was going to say so the difference of making a team. Because yeah, if you're a you know a special teams guy who gets thrown in for a, a slot receiver, you know who who got injured on a play, and you get in and the quarterback rattles off, you know I I'm totally bullshitting on this because anyone plays like X one three four eight 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 try 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 five times right like wait but what the fuck did you just say? What do you want me to go? <laughs> what do I do? It's like motherfucker, <laughs> get off! Yeah, yeah, like the fucking <laughs> yeah, like the practice squad guy from Eastern Kentucky needs to know the, the minute details. Like, Tyreek Hill can walk into the thing and be like, where? where? I'm going to just be on the 60, throw it to me. And mm-hmm. fuck, that's it. We're good. We're done. Yeah. We're done. That was that old, uh, that old, <laughs> there was that, that uh, Marshall coach when they did that Randy Moss 30 for 30. He was like, man, our, our offense was pretty pretty simple. If they were single covering Randy, we threw it to him. <laughs> throw him the fucking ball. He'll go get it. <laughs> there's, only, there's only one guy over there. He's just throw it to him. <laughs> It's uh, like, yeah, well, it's like, that reminds me of, like, Teen Wolf, you know? It's like, yeah. what are we doing? We're putting the wolf in. That's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not X's and O's. It's Bob's and Joe's, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, to get back to what you were saying, middle class was everyone. Foxman, Allen, and Murr, thank you all for joining. We got a treat for you later. Connor, New- Connor Newcomb from the Locked on Orioles podcast. Joined us here in a little bit. But you had said, can we just get away from this? I don't, like... Uh, I, I I use Brian Williams isn't with isn't a uh, news broadcaster anymore, is he? No, no, he bullshit but, about you know being in a war situation that was untrue and that kind yeah, of it, it's it's in your bowling alleys now. That was him, right? But I like I'm using his him as an example. That status quo has almost been set. And yet when we were kids, it was with Dan Rather, Tom Brokaw, uh, Peter Jennings, Jennings for the for the three. And I like I don't know if the major news networks on the primetime news channels are ever going to get away from someone in a suit and tie now in 4k made up, you know, made up better than they'll ever look in their entire lives with a spackle free desk in front of them. And hello everyone. Welcome America. I just, I don't, I mean, you're ever, you're never going to get a, a debate, you know, a presidential debate. That's lackadaisical. Like, yeah, you know, this guy could ask questions, you know, like questions from the audience and it's someone with a, mustard stained wife beater like all right man i got a real question for y'all well you don't have to go that far but like i would say and i you know i'm getting i'm gonna use like cliched names and everything here but like um like lester holt is like but he's the main anchor for nbc news uh david muir i believe is for cbs or abc i'm not sure which one and i don't know if there's a third one or not and but those guys do not get the ratings of 
your Sean Hannity's and these people who are not, are not, I repeat, are not news anchors. They're opinion makers. But the reason the opinion makers do better is because they aren't held to that stuffiness. They talk shit. They don't, they still, yeah. they still don't cuss. They still don't, you know, but they're more glib with the way they present things and they, they earn more ratings. So it just goes to, I don't know, like Rogan sits down with people for three hours and has conversations with them. I genuinely believe that not necessarily him as the guy, but that format would give us a much better understanding of the people that we're, you know, trying to put in charge. Like, hey, let's have an interviewer sit down and just speak to them like a regular human being for a few hours. Instead of asking them a question and giving them 30 seconds. Hey, how do we save the world? You have 30 seconds. No interruptions. I'm like, what? <laughs> and what? inevitably they're going to get interrupted. <laughs> exactly. And then yeah, inevitably yeah. they're either they're going to go long and they're okay, stop talk. Stop stop being articulate. Stop saying words that make sense right now because you've run out of time. What does that why? I just wish I don't know. I'm hoping that like the internet revolution has not reached its zenith because if it has, it's sad. It's a sad state for the world. Yeah. Like I, I, I would be for, uh, as you mentioned, I guess we'll call it, you know, entertainment slash interviewing reform, uh, whether it be with Rogan or somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Like gloves off. You don't got to wear a suit. You know, I understand you have appearances and you probably have a publicist who says I like, put on a collared shirt. You know, you're, you're, you're still trying to, and I win a presidential race or you're trying, you're trying to whatever, whatever that may be, but you're right. I, that gloves off talk to me as if we're in a corner of a bar we have a beer and we're bullshitting well just dress like the people you think the country's made of if you think that wearing a wife beater with a mustard stain on it is representative of i don't know more than 50 percent of the country then maybe it's within your best interest to go out there and just dress normal dress whatever you're gonna wear to the bar to chat with your buddies wear that if that's a fucking track suit so be it you know, if you're going to wear – I don't know, man. I don't think people trust suits and ties anymore. I just don't think yeah. they do. Maybe maybe part of that reform is bringing back wife beaters, you know? <laughs> they they came and they went. The, wife, you know, they, the people and the clothing. Yeah. <laughs> wife, <laughs> wife, they're wife pleasers now, remember? Oh, yes, yes, yes. If you had reform in, in that wife beaters. Yeah, because uh. she changes their attitude after a couple of these. <laughs> she, <laughs> she starts to like it after a while. Yeah. She'll be pleased whether she likes it or not. <laughs> yeah. Then you got your real romantics that leave it on while they're having sweet whoopee. You know, oh, yeah. everything else is removed, but you leave that shirt on. Whoopee. There you go. You nailed it. Fucking, <laughs> what was that? The, the old dating, the, old, uh, the newlywed game. Was it Bob Eubanks? He yeah, really he was. Yeah, he was like, when making whoopee, what your partner tend to come to bed with? Like, a smile. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, that whole fucking racket. That was creepy. <laughs> Bob Eubanks. I don't know. Is that guy still alive? Probably not. Oh, doubtful. He was a handsome man into his 70s. I know that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, no, it looks like he's still alive. He is 80, say, he's 86 be, years old. 86. All right. What about Chuck Woolery? Oh, Chuck Woolery's still man. kicking. He's he? selling. Yeah, he's dude. He comes on to sell me some blue emu fucking uh, arthritis fucking <laughs> cream on, emu. on Fox News every 25 minutes. 
Jesus wow. Christ. They really target that audience. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you might know me from things as such as the dating game and <laughs> I love No, wait, he was he was Hollywood Squares. Dude, he did yeah. Hollywood Squares, the Fortune. dating game. Um oh, what love was Connection. Love Connection? Yeah. Love Connection was his thing though. Like that's how I remember him. Yeah, he's eighty two. He's eighty two years old. And he also did some weird like oh he did Scrabble. He did he hosted Scrabble as oh, well. Oh yeah, yes. God, man. Fucking Chuck Woolery, man. Chuck Woolery. This, this is the day of game show host right there. Dude, That's if you me. if you do watch Fox News, by the way, I can give you the five commercials every break. It's going to be a fucking uh, a gold commercial. Like, like what's in what's in your safe? I can't remember the guy's fucking name. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's going to be that. It's going to be, be Blue Emu fucking like uh, arthritis cream. Um, it's going to be some uh, Nature's Choice or something, some kind of supplement. Uh, that old people take because yep. they don't apparently can't eat fruits and vegetables, <laughs> and then it's gonna be my pillow. That's like your four. My pillow still gets time on that thing, dude. My pillow. There was one night where I don't know if they needed a, like, I don't know if you bought the time or if they needed a bonus in for something, but it was every commercial break. Call now and you'll get one of my Giza Dream sheets for free with every purchase of two my pillows. And have you seen our slippers? Oh my god, dude! It's, it's just him crying, holding court orders. <laughs> but dude, I that I did. I noticed that I spent the day over at my parents, and oh god, like that was that was rough. But like I did notice the commercial. I was like, Jesus, they really, they really target you, folks. They're like, listen. Go upstairs. Listen, you guys are boomers. You got tons of fucking jewelry. That's the thing you guys do. Go upstairs, mail it to us. We'll send you about a quarter of what it's worth. And then you take that money and you buy fucking blue emo arthritis pills because we know them knees are hurting. Like, you know, like it is legit like a step by step guide on draining fucking boomers' bank accounts. It's fucking hilarious. We know you have a stash of jewelry upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> we know you got 72 gold bracelets upstairs. You haven't worn 65 of them in the last fucking 20 years. Come on, let's let's melt those down. Dude, there was a company, again, Fox News, they were advertising. They would send you a crucible and a fucking, like, kit. All you had to do was provide your own propane. A fucking and crucible. And they, they were, they were, it was step-by-step instructions on how to melt your jewelry down, and they would buy the gold from you. Yeah, they are like, yeah, send us that block. Send us that sweet block, baby. Yeah. We don't, we don't need, now we don't even got to waste time sending it to another guy to melt it down and block it for us. We take it. Right to a fucking gold guy. Give us our money. I wonder how many boomers burnt their fucking dream homes down. Fucking <laughs> melting down old engagement rings. Melting. <laughs> do, and do it soon. Gold's going to be worthless. Silver's where it's at. Like, yeah. you know, Silver's. I've had a couple failed marriages. I could fucking melt down a couple rings. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can I sign a waiver where I can watch where you melt it? That way, my feelings go down with the you know, as the as the rings just being dissolved. I'm, just, I'm gonna get one and just live stream me fucking taking Boomers' jewelry and melting it down on Twitch. Mm. Dude, I'm not gonna lie. I've almost bought a smelting kit because every time I'm on TikTok, like every fifth video I swipe to is like somebody like melting down aluminum cans and like casting something. I'm like, I can cast stuff. Oh, wonder what I. I'd cast myself a pair of scissors. I could do that. Like, I, why, though? I do why? have a strange, strange desire to be a fucking, like, 1600s blacksmith. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that's yeah. about, but I would do that. <laughs> I think I, I saw one 
uh, a guy dug up a either a Revolutionary War or war, maybe Civil War uh, cannonball, and then <clears throat> talked the, the the process of uh, rejuvenating it, whatever. But it, you know, it did, m- most of it involved once it got to he puts it in the water with like an a, a electro. Oh, yeah. The Electrobe machine. Yeah. Crud I was like, I'm not doing that. I mean, that's cool that he does that. But <laughs> my hobbyist interest dissolved, literally, when I like, I put it in this electromag. It's not electromagnetic. Like, electro electrobath. Like, all right, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I and mean, it, I feel you there. Sorry, not to cut you off. But I feel, because I, I, many times I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fucking... I'm going to forge a sword. I think that's my new hobby. And then I, like, get high and sit on the fucking couch and play video games for, like, four hours. I'm like, eh, that's so much fucking work. Like, am I really going to fucking forge a sword? Nah. <laughs> as, you, as you play video games of killing people with swords. With swords, yeah. yeah I'll forge them in the game. That's way yeah. easy. Yeah. I just buy iron ingots with fake money. I don't have need to make them. <laughs> yeah. What would you do? Okay, Wes, what would you... Okay. The EMP that they've been warning us about, by the way, I, I, I honestly today, by the way, did you were you guys were you guys cell phones interrupted at all today? Because mine not, was not, not at all. all, not at all. I don't know. Yeah, because apparently like, AT and T was like down, like across the board. But I was like, I got, I've got either Verizon missed the EMP or yeah, I don't know what happened. Mobile and I was fine. Um. My AT&T is my work phone, and it had, like, one bar. But honestly, that's par for the course for AT&T phones. So uh, no real change, honestly, for me. What would your craft be? Like, how would you, like, what what would you want to do if society falls apart as we know it? The EMP goes off. Russia takes the satellites out of the sky. All of a sudden, my Tesla is just a fucking, like, lithium ion brick in my fucking backyard. What do you guys do? What's your skill set? What are you making? It's rough. I've had this, I think we've partially touched on this before. I'm the charismatic cult leader, man. I'm not really, I don't bring a whole lot of manual, like I'm not, not that I'm bad with my hands, I just never learned most of this stuff. You want to teach me how to forge a sword? I'm down. Fucking, that's cool. Somebody just needs to teach me. But what I can do is organize this into one unit that I will eventually manipulate for my nefarious yeah. fucking advantage, but that's down the line. I'm going to get us through the fucking t- the tough of it, all right? I'm going to get us through the fucking forest. Mm. The field that lays beyond that forest may or may not be also soaked in your blood, but that's neither here nor there. We're getting through the forest. Oh, I know it'll be soaked in my blood, because I'll be the first one to call you out and be like, get, get him. Get this guy. Screw him up. <laughs> but, 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 but implementing he, implementing Magna Carta, right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> he, he's our carpenter, Matt. We'll find another one. Kill him. <laughs> well, st- string him up, not by his neck, and have him teach you how to cut wood. It's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, is this based off based off of skills that I currently own, or something I think I could teach myself? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a workhorse, so I would I would say like farming. Okay. Get up early, you know. Uh, and again, I don't know how to farm. If I could get the the grassroots stuff, but yeah, you know, fair. plant I'm some seeds, dig some ditches. Huh. I'm versatile, you know? but I'm more useful to you getting you through the shit. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. He's, more, I, he's more of a logistics guy. You know, you yeah, got I'm your. A, I'm an idea you, man. All right, I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a leader. I'm a thinker. Uh, philosopher. You know, that's not really useful other than banding humanity together. And eventually I'll tear it apart. 
like I'm good at building stuff with my hands without plans. I've I've done That's good. I, I mean I wish I I mean I could be better if I knew how to follow a schematic, but I can cut something and be like, ooh, that's not what I wanted to do. But I can then cobble it back together to make it I, I, I I'm a I'm a I'm a troubleshooter, but I'm also good with my hands. I'm just like a handyman. So I feel like I do something in in that department. I just I just think people need to understand that there was a time before all this technology where gunpowder. Think about the people who originally made gunpowder. If the world collapsed today, right? Like I know the materials that make gunpowder. It's saltpeter, sulfur, and charcoal. I don't know how to mix it together. How do you make it explode now? How do you find saltpeter? What do you fucking, where does that come from? It's in a rock somewhere. How do I recognize it? I don't know. Yeah, see, that's, I feel, I feel you on that. Cause like, I feel like I have a knowledge of a lot of things, but like, again, like, I knew that tidbit. But like, if you're like, hey, man, we need to go, I need to go harvest some salt, Peter, I'd be like, yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get on that. I don't, do you have a picture? Can I Google it? Yeah. Like, the, you know, where do I the, find it? <laughs> what, what's the phonetical spelling yeah. of that? I'm certain, sure. 100% certain, with these hands, I can dig in ground and bring back saltpeter if you tell me what it looks like and where it is. <laughs> 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 I got you. Here's, <laughs> okay, here's, here's a good hypothetical. Let's say us and three other people like us, men, able-bodied individuals, no HVAC, Plumbing or electric? Could we build a home with with the tools and the lumber? I, and I, we'll, think... I even say like drywall or you know hmm. some, some sort of uh, uh, is it uh, stucco or some something like that. I think we could build a shelter. Yeah. Um, okay. I do understand how plumbing, basic plumbing, works. Like, like I said, like... you do, you don't have to have plumbing in this. You okay. don't have to. Okay, so no, we're shooting in a hole. This is apocalypse, man. Come so on. We, we can yeah. we can we can build the shelter. Okay, we got mm-hmm. that. We yeah, like got four it. walls and a and a roof. We got that. Stable. What? A, what a, yeah, stable. I I promise you. <sighs> yeah, it's not gonna blow over. This yeah. yeah what, what else do we need now? No, that that's it. I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, that that's it. I just I, I question whether or not we could build a stable thing. I think you know. I think we might hear a couple creaks. I, I think it would, you know, we're not carpentry savvy enough to build something like that. Uh, I, don't I, know, man. I think no. I think I think I think we could. I think you you underestimate the three of us. Okay, I think not we get us a, like, for a solid, stable four walls and a roof. After that, if we got to start engineering like chimney holes and stuff, all right. Well, we're two stories. But look, that no. night we're gonna get inside. We're not gonna get rained on. We're gonna be all right. We'll figure out the rest. Because I think you could, like you can do that's, again materials aside. You can do the basement with the cinder blocks. Now, I don't really know a whole lot about what goes what in between those cinder like blocks. A house, house now, bro. This is a no, but it, that that would be basement in one story, basement in single story. I think first you build like a place where you don't die from the elements. Okay, okay. like a shack of some kind that yeah. can fit three human bodies, and that's where you begin. Then, while you're not dying and finding food, you start digging out this, you know, make believe fairy tale mansion that you want to put together. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And then, over years of time, you <laughs> construct that, and slowly but surely, one of you moves into a new room that has been constructed. <laughs> and then, over like a decade, you're like, you, you, you cross your arms and you look at it. 
And yes, something that the Amish could probably hoist up in a week would probably take us five to ten years to complete ourselves. But okay. we would we would manage it as long as honestly, I feel like the hunting part would be the part that we would struggle with the most. I think I'd be yeah. pretty good at it. Uh, well, you say that, but okay, let's. But we're not using firearms like uh, fishing. I think if if we're near water, I think we, I, I I think I would yeah, survive I fishing. Do, I can get fish. Yeah, I'm, I, I can handle that. That's easy. I would. I think I would enjoy the task of hunting. Now, like I don't want to go hunting now, but like if I learned it, I think that'd be cool. I'd be cool. Yeah, with it. yeah I know, but I mean, it's it's a. It, I guess it's you're saying learned it, like, but this would be out of necessity. And yeah. I think people forget sometimes, like uh, based on like limited sleep, uh, a shitty shelter. Because let's be honest, like oh, yeah. we'll survive, but but you know there'll be a thing over us. Um, and you know limited knowledge on how to actually like quote unquote hunt. You're gonna be fucking tired, grumpy, malnourished, unless you find like some berries that you. That don't kill you. I'm just saying, like, I feel like we think in this era that we're so fucking evolved. But if you got fucking transported back, like, I don't know, a thousand years where there were still fucking Homo sapiens roaming the earth, you would be so far behind the times. Like, your technology is now bullshit. And what they're doing is where it's at. And we have no idea how they did it. Hmm? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. But we, that's. The, the nature of being alive right now. Yeah. But I think we could figure it out. I but think I think about I think about the homesteaders though, the guy the folks that gotten like fucking covered wagons and were like, we're going this way. Which way is that? Nah. It's west. <laughs> like they stare at the sky <laughs> for a second and like, yeah, that's where we're going. That's yeah. right. I, the reason the reason I asked that question, I, I was more or less help on a team that did framing. You know, you build the you have the uh, the concrete or the the cinder block foundation for the basement and the concrete laid, and then you did the framing work, and then another team came after you. <clears throat> there was like siding, roofing, and then all your as I mentioned before, electrical, HVAC, and plumbing. But we did the framing, and I and I had I was doing this between a college internship and my first day of college because I needed a little bit of cash and. I, they were like, yeah, so we're gonna put a we're gonna put a footer here. I was like, cool. What the fuck's that? No idea. <laughs> Would I kick it or something? <laughs> it's a header and a footer. That sounds equally as fucking weird to me. I don't know what the fuck that is. So you don't have to know what they're called to be yeah. able to to be able to put it together. I know how to take. I know to, how to make thatch, not thatch, but like to to make like uh, mud bricks. I have that mm -hmm. knowledge in my brain for no reason. Never used it. Um, we got a lot of clay around this area, so we'd be all right. We'd seal off huh. the wind. Gotcha. And I, I mean, I did build a bar in college that Alan uh, bear witness to. That was the one that had the Astro turf raised up uh, because we built it too high. Yeah. Because the, the bar came up to like your armpit, so we yeah, built a little like step up. up. Like your neck. You're just like, <laughs> but hey, a... can, I, can I have a fucking jello shot, please? <laughs> Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did like a like a fake. Like we did like a pleather rounding to where you can put your arms on it. Yeah, yeah. You should, we, I, we'd walk up to our resident DJ, and be like, "Hey, man, you play fucking ludicrous fantasy? The girl's trying to shake that ass." Are <laughs> <bar> like this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good times. Well, guys, just just checking. So. Uh, folks, stick around. We got a treat for you. Uh, Connor Newcomb from the Locked On Orioles podcast. If you're not an Orioles or a baseball fan, you might just want to skip ahead about 
25 to 30 minutes, I don't know, somewhere into Fun Fact Friday. Uh, but either way, real treat. Uh, happy to have him on. So stick around. Like a warm, creamy chutney. Get ready for another spoonful of the middle class holes. And welcome back to the middle class holes, Foxman, Allen, and Murr. And folks, we have a treat for you. We have Connor Newcomb from the Locked On Orioles podcast. Connor, we appreciate you hopping on the middle class holes. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah. Um, so first question, uh, for those of uh, for those listeners who aren't familiar with either you or the Locked On Orioles podcast, uh, kind of give us a Cliff Notes version of how uh, you got to where you are, how you got to be able to... Uh, host your own podcast and you can rub some salt in the wound here for an aspiring podcaster like myself who uh get to talk about a a sports team that you that you love yeah i mean i uh i was on the broadcast journalism journey for a career coming out of college um i didn't that didn't work out for the full-time job that's okay uh, but uh, this came along in January of 2020, which was, as you know, a fantastic time to start a podcast about sports. Um, was just, I mean, the timing couldn't have been more perfect. <laughs> Nobody um, had it. Nobody. Yeah, the, oh, man. The Locked On Podcast Network, which has a podcast for basically every single of the core four major sports teams, and then it has a bunch of colleges, Locked On Women's Basketball. They have shows for the Olympics, the World Cup, everything. They had a Locked on Orioles podcast. There was someone who had done it sporadically in the 2018 and 19 season, and you can probably figure out why someone would only do it sporadically in the 2018 and 19 seasons for the Baltimore Orioles and kind of gave it up because I don't think if I, if I had started in the 2018 season, I wouldn't still be hosting this podcast. <laughs> um, and they just I saw someone who I followed on Twitter was working as a producer for the network and was like, hey, we're looking for hosts for these three MLB shows. It was like Fantasy Baseball, Locked on Marlins, and Locked on Orioles. And it was just like, apply. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm in the spot where I only apply to things if it's like not hard to apply. If this asks for a cover letter, I'm not applying. Um, But it was just a Google form. All I did was fill out a Google form. So uh, a Google form got me an interview, and the interview got me the podcast. Uh, the, The network was still much smaller back then than it is now. And I just kind of weaseled my way in then. And four years later, a lot of losses later, but luckily recently more wins. Um, it has uh, become a labor of love. Um, it's been helpful to have a sports journalism degree and been a sports broadcaster throughout college since graduating. I do a lot of play-by-play broadcasting on the side as well. Um, so I had that experience kind of on the microphone, but... There is also the chance that had the 2022 Orioles not decided to win some baseball games, I also would probably still not be doing this because after enduring 2020 and 21, the podcast is five days a week, and that was a lot of losses. Uh, there was a 19-game wow. losing streak in 2021, <laughs> and I covered every single game of it. Um, oh. And so thank you to the Orioles for turning things around, and um, that is how I am still here doing it. Yeah, not, and not to cut Murr off on his question, but uh, the grassroots of this podcast started as an Orioles podcast during the 2018 season. I can remember one of our maiden voyages. I said, Alex fucking Cobb is here, folks. The, the ship is righted. Let's go. And uh, it's, uh, you know, for better or for worse, has evolved into what you see today. But Murr, 
Continue. Well, I just have a question. So was it um, was it the radio market was falling off for your broadcasting uh, career, and that's why you ended up in podcasting? Yeah, I would say uh, it is very tough to make a full-time living as a freelance um, college and high school sports play-by-play broadcaster. That's fair and point. so what I found is easier. Well, back then I was doing that and the podcast, and uh, once COVID calmed down a little bit, working at a restaurant – and what I found is that when you move out from your parents' house and in with your girlfriend and now fiance, it is helpful to have a salaried position. Yeah, um, I'd found. say so. And so yeah. um, that was helpful to find one of those. And although it can definitely be grueling to get home from a nine to five and then know I'm recording a podcast later that night, it's about the thing I love more than anything but maybe said fiance. Um, and so that makes it, <laughs> that makes it a lot easier to do it five days a week. But, um, I still do the, the play by play broadcasting when I can, like literally this weekend I'm doing the, uh, Baltimore Catholic league basketball championships. So like I've got some stuff that I still do, but, um, yeah, the, the, the podcast gig was also easier cause it's like you could do it during COVID and I graduated college a year before the start of the pandemic and it's very easy to do a podcast from your home. When sports aren't happening, it's very hard to have play-by-play gigs. Yeah. Um, so that, that, was, that, was, that was one of the, the through lines there as well. Were you secretly hoping that Kevin Brown maybe didn't make it back to the broadcast booth? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, twofold there. One, love Kevin. He's been super nice to me. Um, a Kevin Brown story is one time uh kevin brown seemed to be now i'm not going to make any accusations but it was an off day for the orioles and i am assuming kevin brown had a few glasses of wine with his wife and his dog and was perusing the internet and i was tweeting something from the locked on orioles account um and my girlfriend at the time just responded to it to be funny and be like oh i was asking for questions i was doing a q a because i believe our power was out in the apartment and i was like well there's nothing else to do uh besides q a of course um, and then uh, she was like, can you get me some goldfish from the kitchen? Ha, ha, ha. And Kevin Brown saw that and responded, can you also get me some goldfish? <laughs> so the next night, I was headed to the ballpark. And so I showed up with a full bag of goldfish in a, a Ziploc gallon bag that they let me into the ballpark with. And there was a two-hour rain delay, and Kevin Brown came down to the concourse and stood there with me and my girlfriend and a couple of friends and ate our goldfish and chatted with us for about an hour during the rain delay. Well so, done, uh, sir. Could not be a better person, Kevin Brown. And uh, considering how John Angelos feels about me, I don't think I was next in line, even if he left. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. You've made a good enemy if that's, if that's what, we're, what we're talking about. So I'm okay with it. Uh, speaking of that, Merge, you had a question about ownership. Yeah, well, right? now we've got a brand new ownership coming in. Um, I mean, I don't know how much inside access you have, but I mean, is there scuttlebutt saying that these guys are, I mean, is it, is it like they got themselves a shiny new car and they're going to go soup it up as best they can with the, the brand new monies that they've got in the bank account? Or is this going to be more just business as usual kind of like, I mean, are they, you don't want to mess up what the Orioles have set up, but I think as fans were like, can you guys please spend a couple of dollars? Can you spill yeah. some tea out for us? We'd really appreciate it. Yeah, we just don't know yet because this group, you know, it's not like they've owned a team before, you know, really anybody in this group, and, and obviously David Rubenstein, who's, who's going to take over as the control person. But I, I saw a lot of people who were trying to kind of throw a wet blanket over the whole thing and be like, you know, the, 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 what, whatever the saying is, like, the, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Like, I get that, 
But the devil we know is so bad that it, mm-hmm. it, it can only get better. Like spending-wise especially, the Orioles who won 101 games also had the 29th payroll in baseball last year. So I have to think it's going to go up a little bit. And so we don't know, but here's the thing about David Rubenstein that I've talked about a lot on the podcast, and I think, you know, he hasn't said exactly, because he can't yet, because the team isn't officially his yet, he hasn't said exactly what the plan would be, but, like, this is a guy who spent $21 million to buy an original copy of the Magna Carta to then (laughs) donate it to the Smithsonian in D.C. So if he's willing to do that just so people can see the Magna Carta... I think he'd be willing to donate $20 million to Blake Snell so the people of Baltimore can see Blake Snell. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that could be a translation there and probably one of the reasons why he's buying a team. I would hope. Yeah. This is a, a, a uh, bartender in the South Baltimore area who I, uh, I, I pass, I, you know, pass through the business every now and then. Not, not too terribly often, but he, uh, that's a joke, by the way. But he made a great point. He said, the, and this is when, uh, ownership was transitioning from Peter to John. He's like, Peter reminds me of Cam's dad from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He's got that beautiful Ferrari in the fucking shop. He never never wants to drive the goddamn thing. Drive it. Get out on the road. So, yeah. kind of, I think it was a breath of fresh air when this, when the, uh, Christ, I was driving home and it was relatively quick. Like, someone tweeted out at 5 p.m. and by 7 p.m. all the outlets were like, yep, sold. Here we go. I know. I feel like it went like, Everybody saw that there was like this news story that someone is that somebody's going to buy the team. Yeah, sure, that's never going to happen. And then like w- before that could even calm down, it's like there was ink on paper, and we're like, holy crap, this is really happening. I mean, is this just because the Orioles? This is probably, unless they're successful, this is probably like the best place to buy and sell for both parties here. Because like Angela, like obviously their stock rose this past season. But it could fall if everything falls flat on its face. So is this is this why he just pulled the trigger? Yeah, I think from a buyer's perspective, I mean, you know, with the payroll stripped down to the studs, you know, you just don't have that many costs you're incurring when you buy the team. And you have this team on this incredible upward trajectory, and you know, like, they're only going to win more games and probably make more money. And, you know, the gate receipts, the, the crowds were awesome last year, but a lot of that was mostly, not mostly the second half, but, you know, Orioles fans didn't expect – an AL East division winner from day one last year. Now that they expect it from day one in 2024, like those ticket sales are going to go through the roof again and the Jersey sales and all that good stuff. So with the low payroll and the, and the high income, I mean, I'm sure from a business perspective, it makes sense. And from the Angelos perspective, it is weird because, you know, he's keeping 30% until Peter Angelos dies. And, you know, I'm not an expert on this, but a lot of it has to do with, I think capital gains tax and he would get taxed like crazy Um, on the money he's making because I guess it's his dad's and he'd be selling it before he dies. But it is weird that he's selling 40% of it before he dies. Like, I think he's going to get taxed on that part of it. So I think there was some of it having to do with Angelos after the lease negotiations, like not getting what he wanted, having a little bit of a hissy fit and selling the team, which like was a weird way for this to end up happening because they did actually sign the lease. But I just feel like he wasn't happy, and maybe someone finally told him that, like, you aren't liked in the city of Baltimore, and maybe that, like, shocked his system a little bit, and he wanted to retreat back to Nashville. Yeah, I. this is merely speculative. I just don't think he ever enjoyed owning the team. I think Peter, no, I as miserable as he was, kind of in, enjoyed the grassroots, yep. the, 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 the I, own, I own a Major League Baseball team. I don't think John ever got that kind of sense of, you know, pride and, 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 you know, 
puffing his chest out just by owning a sports team, which is weird, but to each their own. And, you know, now he's a richer man, which is weird to say. You sell a sports team. That's uh, that's the way the mop flops, as they say. Uh, I got a question for you. Uh, and And I actually asked this or wrote this to you in the email prior to these recent uh, starting rotation injuries taking place. Uh, and I asked if Jackson Holiday isn't the first prospect to be called up, uh, who might that be? Because last year, man, it was like once a month we were getting a name that we had heard or read about and it was you know, added to the fanfare of, uh, of a great season last year. Uh, is there going to be an April or May call up that, uh, that fans might not know about? Yeah, I mean, you know, Heston Kerstad and Colton Kowser will be there at some point, but they also debuted last year already. But if we're talking debuts, now that the pitching injuries are here, I would watch out for Chase McDermott. I think he's kind of the consensus now that D.L. Hall is gone and Grayson Rodriguez has graduated. Uh, is kind of the consensus top pitching prospect in the system now. And what I think could happen with McDermott is I think they'll be okay with Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin filling in for a bit, but McDermott's stuff is so nasty that... You basically just you stole Tyler Wells from the bullpen because now he's got to be a starter, and you kind of lost a late inning guy that you thought you might have. I mean, Wells was the closer down the stretch last year when Felix Bautista got hurt and he returned. McDermott could be an unbelievable reliever. I think it's probably more like the second half of the season, but if there's a couple guys, you know, Mike Bauman's faltering or CNL Perez is faltering or Jacob Webb's getting DFA'd, like Chase McDermott could be the guy they just go to in May or June and just say come up, let the fastball eat, throw the slider, throw 97 with the slider, pitch out of the bullpen. And I think that could change the complexion of the pen. Like I still have questions about him as a starter, but as a reliever, I think he could be really, really good. Yeah. I, I, it, when I, anytime I hear the name Tyler Wells, it's just that I'm a little bit snake bitten because I was there in 2022 when they shut him down and it was August. And I believe it was what it was about late July this year. He seems to have that, that, just that 150 innings ish where it just kind of his body breaks down and you just prefer him to 150 innings is unheard of. I mean, this isn't the seventies with with Mike Marshall and, and some of those guys. So I I really was hoping to see a full season of Tyler Wells out of the pen, but you know, we got, we got to win now, not, not right away, but you know, someone's got to start, you got to have five man rotation. So, um, Alan, you got anything? Um, so I mean, while we're on the topic, um, so last year, I mean, we came into camp, a lot like this year with some questions around pitching and stuff. Uh, Dylan Tate is the name that comes to mind. So, you know, a year off um, rumblings that he's looking all right. What do we think about him kind of stepping into the fold, especially with what we got going on, you know, pitching wise? How do you think he's looking for 2024? I mean, he could change the whole complexion of the Orioles bullpen. I mean, he was Brandon Hyde's most reliable reliever for two years for, for 2021 and 22. I mean, Hyde was looking in that bullpen in 2021 and was like, Dylan Tate's pitched three days in a row. What am I, what am I going to do? Like that's where they were at at points during that season. And in 22, he backed it up with just being, and, and you know, he was the closer, the fill in closer sometimes, but just like what s- sneaky, one of the better, like seventh inning guys in baseball, Dylan Tate was for a while. And, you know, he's able to pitch multiple innings cause he doesn't rely on the strikeout. The sinker so good that it's a lot of ground balls, a lot of soft contact. And, I don't know if we'll ever 100% know what exactly went on last year because it was the forearm and it was the elbow. And I think a lot of people thought, like, he's getting Tommy John. Like, this, all this is pointed to Tommy John. And then not only did he not get Tommy John, but he pitched, like, four different rehab assignments where he would pitch in AAA and he would look bad and he would go back on the IL and he would come back. 
I don't really know. And then he wasn't with the team for a while, and we didn't really know where he was for a little bit. It was very odd. But he's he's back. He went to driveline. He was throwing fine. If he is, I mean, if he's 2022 Dylan Tate, that is huge for this bullpen. It's going to be missing Felix Bautista and won't have Tyler Wells in it for a while. But even if he's a step down from that, like he's still a really, really solid reliever. I just like, I'm holding my breath. I, I'm, I have a feeling he's going to pitch. I believe this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, both games are televised, both spring training games. One's on Masson and one's on uh, the, the Pirates uh, broadcast channel. Like I'm holding my breath to just see him pitch. Like obviously he's thrown bullpens, but we as a fan base have not seen him pitch truly, unless you're grinding triple A tape where he did not look good. We haven't seen the real healthy Dylan Tate pitch since the end of 2022. So I just need him to like throw 15 pitches in a spring training game and leave healthy. And then I think I can kind of formulate an opinion on what's going to happen this year. That's fair. It's like, it's the exciting prospect, but we just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know if this is going to be a dumb question or not, but um, so we know we have a catcher. We know where he plays. We know we have a third baseman. We know where he plays. Um, we know we have Cedric Mullins in center field. But it seems like last season, almost like, you know, you've got a pitching rotation. It seemed like a lot of these young guys were just playing different positions on the field all season long. Another guy comes up. Somebody switches the right field so somebody can play second. Are there going to be some guys now that will be locked into their spots? We know we got Gunner at third. We know we got Adley behind the plate. We know we got Cedric in center field. Are any of these other guys going to find their spot on the field? Is Hyde just going to keep rotating them around to try out young talent? Or is, have these guys solidified something that they can kind of wake up to and know what they're doing? Yeah, I think there'll be guys that more solidify at bats, but I think there'll still be some movement around the field like for example I think Jordan Westberg will be a fairly regular player this year but I don't think you'll be able to call him automatically a second baseman or automatically a third baseman because I think he's going to move around like when Gunnar Henderson's going to play some shortstop which he will this year because they're going to play less Jorge Mateo specifically at shortstop then I think Westberg will move to third base and Ramon Arias will bounce around at those positions and I mean Jorge Mateo himself is now moving to the outfield this this offseason to make him more attractive to try and make this team. I mean, there'll be a guy like Ryan Mountcastle who, as long as he doesn't struggle with vertigo, he's going to be at first base most days. So that's going to be nice to, to kind of plug back in there. We, we kind of didn't know how much we missed him at times mm-hmm. last year. And, and Santander, I think with a healthy Mountcastle, he's probably not playing a lot of first base this year. So he's probably kind of stuck in right field as well, which I think will be helpful for the team overall. But Brandon Hyde and Mike Elias love the versatility of guys that can move around. And I would even argue that Gunnar Henderson is not locked in at third because I think he's so good at shortstop. And I just don't think they're ready to commit to Jackson Holiday at shortstop every day that I think because Jorge Mateo just quite frankly can't hit. Gunnar Henderson is going to play a lot of shortstop, I think. But he's also going to play some third. So even your best player on the team doesn't have like a position is not. Manny Machado is playing third base every single day for us, no matter what. Gunnar Henderson's going to play every day, but I think he's going to move positions, and I think the Orioles just like it that way to keep their options open. Now, you don't want Gunnar Henderson playing four different positions. That's a lot for your star player. But if it's short or third, I think he can handle that, and he showed it last year as well. Well, I just I, I, I get upset by this. I don't know why. But, like, <laughs> why is third base such, like uh, like... If you're a great third baseman, I feel like the shortstop position, obviously probably the most important position on the field, arguably. I mean, the shift has changed now, so it's I, – I don't know. To be able to make that throw across the field, to be able to be as agile as you – to make those plays in foul territory and then also still make the throw, why don't guys see that as like a premier position 
in baseball now. I just feel like since the ball's being hit harder than it ever was, you need somebody out there that's, I don't know, as capable as a shortstop and with a better arm. Yeah, and 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 you do, and that's why <laughs> that is why the Orioles love Ramon Aria so much. Because they have a dude who they can just stick there and nobody knew about until he won a gold glove at third base two years ago. And I think that is why they love him so much. And I think with the Gunner thing, like he's a great third baseman, but I think what's different with this situation than the Manny Machado situation, where you know he was a shortstop throughout the minors, but when he came up, they put him at third and he just stuck there is there's not a JJ Hardy to the left of Gunnar Henderson right now. And there is the only concern about Jackson Holiday right now, and Baseball America just did a good piece on this, I believe, two days ago. The only concern about Jackson Holiday right now is the arm strength. So they're a little worried right now about shortstop and third for him, which is why I think he'll play a lot of second when he's here. And I just think you mentioned about, you know, you want your best player at shortstop. I think Gunnar Henderson's their best player, not just offensively, but I think defensively in the infield. Like that's how high his ceiling is as a player. So if you just stick him at short, I would be fine with sticking him at short every single day. And then between Gold Glover Arias and really good Jordan Westberg, you have two options at third, and then you have Jackson Holiday and those two guys as options at second. And we kind of saw it with Machado where he just pushed and pushed and pushed to play short. And then when the Orioles finally let him play short, that team was just horrendous. Now there were other reasons besides that, but... (laughs) If they just stuck him at one position and said go, and that kind of worked for him. And, and I don't know how Gunnar Henderson thinks about it, but I would just kind of, for those same reasons you talked about, stick him at short because he is the best. But I do agree with you. Like Third base is a fairly premier position. The big difference between the two is like you can put a less athletic player at third because you just don't need as much range over there. Although I will say there's a little more range needed now than there was two, three years ago because – you know, you're not having a second baseman play at shortstop and the shortstop play basically in the six hole. So you need a little bit more. And that's the other thing the O's love too. I mean, you remember those Buck Showalter teams? Like those are the least athletic baseball teams that have ever been built. Like the Mark Trumbo, Matt Wieters, Chris Davis, JJ Hardy. Like think about that compared to this team. Like the offensive production is similar, but the athleticism is leaps and bounds ahead on this team. Like so many guys can play the infield and the outfield. They can run, they can defend. Like, it's a very different look, and I think the Orioles like that because they feel like they can play Jordan Westberg at second, at short, and at third because he kind of has the range to fit at all those places. Yeah, and don't let's not leave out Mark Reynolds. I mean, that guy was a specimen. That is just an athlete galore. Carl Lewis with a baseball uniform on. Gazelle, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you I forget th- about what? that. I'm just thinking about JJ Hardy running the base path like that. Oh. That's why everybody cheered when he slid in on the uh, the Delman Youngs. Like, oh my God, he yeah. made it. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. That I was at the stadium that night, and I was like, "Run, you motherfucker!" Like, <laughs> he's just yeah. chugging along, man. He made it. One of yeah. the slow, maybe the slowest shortstop ever. He might, yes. he might actually be the slowest shortstop ever. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned, is it like Urias, who won a gold glove at third, who can play short, serviceable, and can play second as well. But Mateo, man, they just they don't want to give up on that guy. That speed kills, and that's he has world class speed, which is why they're trying to get. I don't. Is it, are they trying to do multiple outfield positions, or is, are they trying to lock him in at center field? So they're trying to get him to be able to play center and left, and left would mostly be because at Camden Yards now, left field is like a, like a secondary center because there's so much space yeah. out there. And I think what they really do want to do, and I'm hoping this is the case, this might not be the case, but 
A, they want to do this because they need an excuse to have Mateo on the roster because that speed can change a game. It's just to have basically a top five player in terms of foot speed in baseball. And you add on that that he's a really good defensive shortstop. So it's not like speed is the only thing that he can do. Now, it'd be nice if he could hit a little bit more, but you're not really going to play him much. What you're trying to get the outfield for is we can say that playing Jorge Mateo, starting him once a week, is okay for him to fill a roster spot if he's pinch running and defensive replacement in every other game. I think that allows you to keep him on your roster. And if he can play the outfield, that's huge, not just for, okay, he has more spots to come in the game. If he pinch runs for someone, you know, if he pinch runs for Santander, okay, you can move the outfield around a little bit, and now you can keep Jorge Mateo in the game. So he's a little more useful for you. But the other part is, if you don't make a move with the infield right now, if you want to put Jackson Holiday on the opening day roster, that's kind of an extra infielder, which takes away an outfield spot. And if Jorge Mateo can fill in as that quote-unquote outfield spot, then you can put Jackson Holiday on your opening day roster. And to be honest, the Orioles are trying to win the World Series this year. Like, he's still not fully put together in what he'll be in three, four years. But, like, it's Jackson Holiday, and the bat speaks for itself. And the Mateo thing is a way to get him and Holiday on this roster. And I do think, like, I have said some not nice things about Jorge Mateo last year when that bat was impossible to watch. But, like, I think you can make an argument for a player who starts once a week against lefties and then plays in basically every single other game because you know when you pinch run him, there will be a spot to put him in on the field if he's that versatile to play the outfield. So if he can do it, I think you can argue he has a roster spot. And, and not just that. I mean, I I would genuinely say there's probably like five to six games that we would not have won if he wasn't pinch running or just right. at second base in that situation. There's, there's no other guy in the league, maybe two or three others that could have scored from that spot on that ball that was in play at that time. And so, yeah, I mean, you don't think that just a guy that can got some wheels is going to win you that many games, but mm. he came through in the clutch on several occasions, maybe even blowing through a couple stop signs. <laughs> Yeah, There's Bert, no stop sign for Jorge Mateo. No, that's right. Yeah, it's just the yellow and green, baby. Uh, Bert, Bert Campaneris played in like 170 games in Major League Baseball. Never had an official at bat, so keep that in mind. I don't know. Yeah. Times have changed. That was the 70s. And Bert Campaneris also was like a college NCAA 100-meter champ. A little, yeah. little different. So, um, <clears throat> Last question before we get into Fun Fact Friday, and uh, we're going to do a roundtable here. Everyone is going to give either a hot or you can move it into a lukewarm take for the 2024 season. So if you have something that you wouldn't consider like a hot, hot take, you know, you can, you can brush it into like the, uh, you know, the seven or eight on the pH scale. Uh, I'll start or uh, Connor, if you want to, you want to fire away. Yeah, I can, I can fire away. Um, I will give you this. This one's pretty hot, but it might be necessary. Cole Irvin is good enough where he makes 30 starts for the Orioles this year. And we're not mad about it. That is my fairly hot take for the Orioles this that, year. Yeah, 30. God damn. That's, I mean, that's more or less what 32 seems to be the benchmark of like an for everyday a full season. who doesn't get yeah. injured. Yeah. 30. Wow. Well, okay. And we don't get mad about it. Yeah. We don't get, we don't get mad about it. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be an all star with those 30 starts, but like, sure. If he has a Kyle Gibson type season and makes 30 starts, I, I, I think we're okay with that. And I, and I yeah. think that's my, my, my hot take right now. Interesting. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll go next. Uh, <clears throat> Ryan O'Hearn and or Anthony Santander will be traded at some point 
in the 2024 season. Mm. A lot of young bats, uh, uh, Kowser and Hurstead. Uh, I think if they can leverage that in to get some of these younger guys more at bats that show promise, again, it's predicated off of producing in the April, May, and early June uh, standpoint. Uh, if there comes a point where they'll need some pitching, I think, and I, I, I really enjoyed Ryan O'Hearn watching him play and produce last year. But uh, you know, this this is a business, and we're trying to win. And uh, I, I think one of those, if not both of them, are traded next year or this year rather. Alan, go ahead, man. Um, I mean, super hot, maybe. I don't know if it's not if it's that hot, but I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'll be the fucker that fucking puts it out there. Jackson Holiday, rookie of the year. I know he's in like the top ten of candidates, but I'm just gonna go I'm gonna go I'm gonna wing it. I'm gonna say this comes together for us this year. Pie in the sky and I'm really optimistic this year. Jackson Holiday, rookie of the year. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on DraftKings and check the odds right now. It's gotta be like plus six hundred or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah. <laughs> Well, my hot take is going to be that we are actually not as successful this season as we were last year, and we only squeeze our way into the playoffs through the wild card, but we rally later instead of falling off later this time, and we actually make it much further into the playoffs than we did last season, which is something I would actually be, you know. I mean, last year was so weird to watch us win so many games. I I expected us to limp into the playoffs and then try to make a go of it instead we rumbled into the playoffs and then just fell out. So my hot take is wild card round, but we make it deep this time and uh, give ourselves something to cheer about. Yeah, but hold on. Baltimore's not built for one seeds. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> yeah. All right. I was going to – one of my – if one of you said my hot take, I was going to say we get swept once this year. Oh, Jesus. It happens oh, during the regular season. Yeah. <laughs> Or the Domino Sugar people actually put in a real bid and get the naming rights to the stadium so it can be the sweetest stadium in the league. That's why there we go. We just call it the Sugar Bowl and tell them to go fuck themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Murr, ever the salesman, always pitching ideas. Kind of if you stick around long enough, back in the day, me and Murr had a uh, cereal pitch. That was phew, it's still. Don't listen. I don't to know. This. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I mean, Mer, funnel cake uh... cereal, funnel cake cereal, Connor. What do you think? Come on, funnel uh, cake cereal. I could be on board. See, <laughs> see, it's really the see, Alan? pitch that gets you. <laughs> That's all you got to say is funnel cake cereal. That's it. Flo- all right, flow cakes was the uh, term. Let's get let's yeah. get smarter. Let's broaden our horizons. Let's give us some knowledge nuggets, Mur. All right, let's get to it. Five fun facts for you fuckers on a Friday being brought to you this week, of course, by our good friend Connor Newcomb right here and his podcast. Uh, Connor, actually, where can you find the podcast? What platforms is it on? All of them. Everywhere you get podcasts, Locked on Orioles five days a week and on YouTube as well if you want to look at my face for some reason while I talk about the Orioles. You know what? With that mustache, it's a good face to look at. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so check it out. Locked on Orioles wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get to it. Five fun facts. Your fun fact Friday. All sports because Connor's with us this week. Did you know if Wayne Gretzky never took a single shot in the NHL, he would still be the league's all-time points leader. Gretzky retired with 2,857 points, that's goals and assists, 970 more than the next closest player. Even if you took away all 894 of Gretzky's career goals, he would still have more points than anyone in history. Mm. So he earned the nickname, the great one. I just thought that was... You know, hearsay, some sort of ego booster thing. I didn't, I wouldn't have bet that. Now, I do know when I, 
I don't know too many diehard hockey fans, but on occasion, I, I'm not. But I try to explain to people, especially like the the early to mid '80s uh, Oilers teams that he was on. Yeah, there was goal scoring, but he had like I think three consecutive 100 assist seasons. I mean that that hasn't been done since. I don't think there's been another 100 assist season since Gretzky last did it in like the 86 or 87. Yeah, well, I always you know you always hear the. I feel bad for Mario Lemieux because Mario Lemieux might have been the only other player that had a chance, but you know he got the cancer and had to sit out. <laughs> kind of put a little, kind of put a little nick in the skates there. But Mario Lemieux was just that guy that just I, I don't know to me. Wayne Gretzky is not built like a hockey player. He's just nimble and agile, and it's he's like a rocket ship out there. It was always fun to watch. That's why I'm glad I'm in my mid 40s and I got to see it happen. But did you know, before Babe Ruth, Major League Baseball's career home run record was just any guesses? One seventeen. Close. Mm. Was it home home run Baker? Is that the? Uh Huh? Was it home home run Baker? So I think I think the, I don't know who hit it, but it's uh, the career home run record before Babe Ruth was just 138 home runs. When Ruth retired, of course, he had 714. I mean, basically, it's the dead ball era, and he just ended the dead ball era by himself, kind of. Um, then you yeah. probably had some guy who worked at the bakery like in the morning yeah. and came and <laughs> hit some it balls. It was like in the slap afternoon. a single through the right side, bun him to second, and then you just hoped and prayed that somebody could like pop a ball over the second baseman's head and score a run. Like <laughs> yeah. that was basically the entire game pre Babe Ruth. So I th- honestly, it feels like 130 is a lot for the pre Babe Ruth era to have. In really? Okay. Well, yeah, and I, I guess people, people weren't making a career of it. I guess at that point, yeah. I mean, I guess no. you were just kind of chilling out with your local team <laughs> you know bring it. i got some bread guys you want about fourth sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's they also you know they did like it was like a 290 foot right field line for for yankee stadium that kind of helped you know it's like hey feller got that nice nice big whooping swing got a short porch over there might, might pad these stats here's an i don't know if it was home run baker but <clears throat> he was "Quote unquote," the Sultan of SWAT before Babe Ruth, and ended up on the Yankees late in his career. And it was kind of like like the guy they were still calling him Home Run Baker, and I think he had 16 in a year. Ruth hits 59. <laughs> so he's like, I got to drop this nickname. I mean, like, <laughs> well, at that point, it's ironic, so you can just keep it. That mm. we should have called That's Chris right. Davis Home Run Davis at the end. Just yeah. oh yeah, God. <laughs> gosh, you know, I wish I wish Chris Davis was just like. An asshole, because so I could really just hate him. But he's, but he's, just, he's like, just such a nice guy. I know, I know, I know. I, I, and I don't blame him. I mean, they they back the truck up to him slowly over a course of what twenty years. But I mean, you can't. Your family and grandchildren are taken care of for the rest of their lives. Like you can't hate on the guy for that. Here's a good question for you, Connor. And I, maybe you have an, an answer that I couldn't supply. Friends of mine, I have a constituents of friends that live. In Delaware, but right on the Maryland-Delaware line. So they're Philly fans, but they get a healthy dose of uh, Orioles baseball. And one of which, you know, this is in the midst of Chris Davis's horrendous uh, like year-and-a-half slump. At that point, it was a joke. They, he was like, what's wrong? What happened? I said, that pie chart's got to be a thousand slices. It's yeah. psychological. It's uh, psychological. It's kind of started a little bit when they didn't let him take the Adderall anymore. I mean, that kind of was the first hit. It was the hip injuries. I mean, the hip injuries were he was kind of hiding how bad they were at the very end, like in 2019 and 2020. Like he was at the point where he was like 
probably should have gotten surgery and just didn't want to earlier than that. And that's 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 really why he retired. I mean, a lot of people think it's just, oh, he was so bad he needed to step away. He really retired because he just couldn't swing with the force he used to. That was a big thing. I mean, there was certainly something in his head. It was, I mean, eyesight, the way the game changed, the way pitchers changed, the way velocity had upped. Well, and I'm going to a bunch of and, and question mark, question mark, question mark is is most of the, <laughs> the rest of it yeah. too. Yeah, well, I'm going to go with the synthetic meth. I'm going to say that might have been the issue. <laughs> Not having your brain pop off at an extra, I don't know, uh, several milliseconds when a ball's being thrown that hard. Yeah, I, I think it was in his head, and then, yeah, then you don't have that thing that helps you focus. Yeah, it's probably going to do it. I mean, he's always a, he's still an ox. I mean, that guy can, I, the best quote I heard from him was uh, somebody was asking, like, oh, yeah, you, Heard you, uh, I heard you flip that truck off that guy on 95. He's like, oh, let's slow down here. It wasn't a truck. It was an SUV. <laughs> like, he, he, didn't, he didn't correct them that there was like five other people. It was like, no, 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 no. It wasn't a truck. It was an SUV. Yeah, but Chris Davis is a great guy. I mean, he does a lot around the town, around the city. So still, still, I don't hate Chris Davis. I wish I did, though. <sighs> yeah. Alan, Alan, I'm sure, has a different take on the, on the man. I'm just disappointed. Isn't that I what Ed says to you when you, yeah. you know, nah. we, were, we were at a game. We, we were at a game where me and Alan were at a game where he struck out and, and snapped his back and there's bat over his knee. And Alan was like, I wish you would rip his paycheck up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bitter statement said for a couple years. <laughs> All right. Did you know? During Prince's Super Bowl halftime show in 2007, volunteers accidentally ran over and severed three power cables during the stage setup. So, a member of the lighting crew stripped the ends and held the cables in place by hand during the entire 12-minute show in the rain. Fucking Doc Browned them right there in the middle of the stadium so Prince could play his guitar. Yeah. They're they lived or yeah that wasn't they the lived end. okay they lived to tell the tale <laughs> no. my god it was just a human sized burn mark in the field <laughs> it's like looked like the cat from National Lampoon's <laughs> that's why that's why those electricians get them fancy leather gloves you know what I mean just, just for that specific reason yes. <laughs> just in case yeah. Prince's cables are severed yeah they bar they borrowed Prince's gloves. We're grounded. Purple rain. <laughs> Hold on for dear life. Still, probably yeah. the best halftime show we've ever seen. Oh, he was he was a true artist. And wasn't that the um? Wasn't that the helmet catch game? Patriots Giants. Yeah, two thousand seven. Yeah. Mm. Look at you, Tyree. Look at yeah. those memories. Look at that. I know. All right. Did you know? In the history of the NFL. Only one left-handed quarterback has ever made it into the Hall of Fame. And we know who that is, right? Steve Young? Steve Young? Yeah. yeah. That's it. One lefty. Yeah. Wow. wow. That seems fitting. It could have been Mike Vick. Could have been the second. Oh, there, yeah. there was an Wait, early trajectory can't... where. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some stuff got in the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some, some canines. Uh, All right. Let's not dog can... Michael Vick. <laughs> Stabler, I would think like Stabler would have gotten some votes. He won a Super Bowl. I know his numbers weren't gaudy, but uh, it's in the seventies when guys weren't you know throwing thirty and forty passes. They're just throwing guys in the hall then, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Mark Burnell. That's another one that comes to mind. Uh, easy, bud. Hey, man, <laughs> Mark Burnell's first ballot hall are really good. Okay, yeah, and he stuck around for a while. Has Scott Mitchell at one point? Yeah, in the early two thousands playing quarterback after he left yeah. Detroit. 
the, that's the, where people were wondering why Bowl, he between the Super Bowl and Flacco quarterbacks, which is just an incredible list of people. <laughs> Damn, the day yeah. the day the Ravens have a Hall of Fame quarterback, fuck me, that that'd be amazing. <laughs> we'll be dead. <laughs> I I feel like Trent Dilfer should get like a vote just because like the, the, just like at least just one, just for like the the guy who <laughs> won a Super Bowl with that like, by throwing thirty passes for an entire season. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Who was who that uh, that lefty from Kentucky who was just ho- horrendously overweight? Played for the Giants oh, the for a hot boy? Oh, he, uh, Yeah, uh, Lorenzen. He died a couple years ago. Uh, oh, Jared what? Lorenzen. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. God, rest in peace. Guy. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> overweight quarterback <laughs> dying young. I can't imagine. <laughs> well, they were also like, here, don't throw the ball ever. Just run it a lot. You're a big guy. Just get, get that heart rate up. Yeah, it's not Tebow. There like, you go. God. Yeah, there you go. He was playing like arena football at the end, I believe. Jared Lorenzen, like at the end of his career, he was just bouncing yeah. off the walls and he was playing for the River Monsters. Apparently, I I feel I feel moderately bad about this. I was drunk with a friend of mine who had an arena football wide receiver's number, and I called as an NFL scout, and I started asking him legitimate, uh, you know questions about you know what's your 40 time your vert and then i started asking obscure questions about like you know how many hot dogs can you eat in 30 seconds <laughs> i was like this is this is part of the wonder lick don't worry he he answered he was like oh, I mean, if i were to guess i didn't six <laughs> yeah, if i were to five, guess <laughs> i feel like such a dick oh that's great and finally did you know mlb manager alvin dark once said quote There'll be a man on the moon before Gaylord Perry after ever hits a home run. Perry hit his first career home run less than an hour after Neil Armstrong said his famous words. Wow. Damn. I did not know that. I don't know who Probably that cheated. romantic about baseball right there. Yeah, there exactly. It it's true, man. Probably cheated. Probably, you know. Hey, well, he was a world-renowned cheater as he pitched. I don't know how you could cheat when you hit. Some Spike sort of Bale. anti-gravity situation. Yes. Uh, when he came up to yeah. the plate. Yeah. Spike bat. Uh, corked it a little bit. It was, you know? it was corked bat. It was a, te- it was a tennis ball. Nah, yeah. that wouldn't be that far. It was a fucking <laughs> racquetball. <laughs> huh. There was a documentary on recently. Uh, it might have been the Nolan Ryan documentary, but it's like Gaylord Perry and a bunch of guys just sitting around bullshitting, and it's just... It's just awesome. They, you know, these what do they care now? You know, they're they're on death's door. They don't care. They're just talking, telling all their secrets. How they had the how they doctor balls and shit like that. It's hey man, cheating's part of the game. It's only cheating if you get caught. Yeah, there's um, there's a good, and I don't know if it was in a someone's book. I don't know if it was about like the Casey Stengel era <clears throat> Yankees, but Whitey Ford later on openly admitted, like, yeah, man, once I lost about three or four miles of that. That four seamer, shit! I I I needed some help. Can't, can't get those guys out. <laughs> Crisco, Barbasol. <laughs> yeah. well, I heard Greg Maddox talking about it. He threw it, so he throws a pitch. It's fouled off, fouled into the catcher's glove. Catcher throws it back. He's like, man, there was a hole in it about the size of a penny. And he said, he's I stuck out like five guys after that. <laughs> I just kept the ball. I told him, don't 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 throw that one back. Keep that one in your glove. Take it to the dugout. Bring it out when we're done. I just, I've seen that short that that two seamer he throws has like a foot of movement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like cheating. So, uh, well, that's it for Fun Fact Friday, Connor. Uh, 
Thank you for hopping on. I, I mean, I'll give you my sales pitch. I've listened to, I think, three this week uh, for any anyone who's an Orioles fan. 30 to 40 minutes of a very uh, digestible, consumable uh, podcast. Connor gives you up-to-date uh, stuff that's happening uh, up to date, up to date stuff that's happening up to date. Just so, just so you know, <laughs> um, like right now, happening like right now. Hurts is hard. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I manage to botch these about once a week. Um, uh, I do, I do sprinkle in stuff from Fangraphs, other reports, as you mentioned uh, here on here on the show. I've even uh, seen a couple. Uh, was it Baltimore Banner? You had a guest on earlier this week, so. Uh, no, just a very, very entertaining show, and I enjoy it. And thank you for you know your time here in the middle class holes. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me on. I appreciate the support of the podcast. It is it is always nice to know when you're doing something, a podcast five days a week, which even the most successful podcasts aren't putting out five episodes a week. So it's uh, it is a grind, and it is nice to hear that even when someone says, "Hey, you know, I usually listen to more than one per week," that just makes it feel worth it. Like if I can put out five episodes and somebody's listened to two. I'm getting I'm getting through to somebody. So, but, but definitely thank you guys for having me on. Well, it's my my drive to work is anywhere between 30 and 40 minutes. So it's damn near perfect. There you go. Just, as I'm pulling in, my the coffee's finished. I'm like, whoo! And I then I'm about ready to. I, actually, as I walked in, one of the guys in the sales floor had a Gunnar Henderson jersey. I was like, let me tell you something, nice. you dumb nice. bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, one more time, Connor. Uh, if, if anyone wants to find you, uh, where, where can they? If you quick plug for yourself. Yeah, so the Locked On Orioles podcast, getting 30 to 40 minutes, five days a week, Monday through Friday, wherever you get your pods, Apple, Spotify, whatever it may be. We're also on YouTube as well. Um, there's a little graphics package, and you can see my face. That's pretty much the only difference, but I know people like YouTube, so you can check it out over there as well. Um, on Twitter, at Locked On Orioles. Um, I'm personally on Twitter, but I don't think I've tweeted from there in months. Um, I, I'm less on that platform than usual. Um, you may even find me lurking on Orioles Reddit from time to time, but I won't reveal my username there. You know, the, the, it's, uh, you got to find it. It's like buried treasure. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. <laughs> Thank you again. I'm on Reddit all the time. I'm going to find you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate well, it again. Uh, folks, stick around. We got, uh, before you go and some listener comments. Now listen up, fellas. Do you know the statistics on unprotected sex? Men are three to five times more likely to bust early. Don't be a pump and dump. Wrap it up. Now, back to more of the Middle Class Holes. Welcome back to the Middle Class Holes, Fox Man, Alan and Murr. Thank you again, Connor, for uh, jumping on the Middle Class Holes. I, it, was, it was so easy. It was, it was so easy a caveman like myself could do it. Hey, do you want to be on this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Fucking well, hey, shit. Cool. We just start start asking celebs. You know, I know it's like D-list. people. People are like, you know, they want to do things that sound fun. If you just ask if they would like to, that's right. <laughs> that's right. But you know what I found myself doing while Connor was on is uh, uh, I was censoring myself. Like I said, we shouldn't do at the beginning of this. There's something like ingrained in us that just. Like, no, don't say all the dumb shit that you always say. That's <laughs> yeah, right. We got to be professional. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. He, 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 no, he was a good guest. Uh, happy to have him on. Hope to have him back. Um, tonight, on before you go, sticking with the sports theme ish, if you want to consider it that, a university just awarded cornhole scholarships to two Colorado athletes. That's right. Winthrop University out of South Carolina. 
Uh, for the first time in Colorado prep history, two athletes are headed to Division One to play cornhole. Quote, I'm shocked. I mean, as is everybody, said Gavin Hammond. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> Gavin Hammond. Uh, it's crazy. It's groundbreaking. It's new. It's making history. Uh, on National Signing Day, Thunder Ridge High School. God, that's fucking amazing. God. Dude, uh, you're a, you're a D, I'm a D1 athlete from Thunder Ridge. Cornhole. <laughs> yeah, what's the mascot at Thunder Ridge? It better be like the fucking Thors. Or the no, or it better be like a moonshiner or something. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking raging hard-ons. Uh, Jackson Remick and Gavin Hammond. Uh, made history of becoming the first Division One five-star cornhole recruits in this country. Uh, this is not just cornhole anymore. This is not just something you see on ESPN. You see pros playing every day. This is something you're going. This is something. This is something that now is going to give kids an opportunity to get scholarships, potential full rides eventually. Said Winthrop University cornhole coach Dusty Thompson. <laughs> of course, his name is Dusty. This is the most cliched fucking article of all time, this, and it's this is an onion article as far as I'm concerned. Are these? Is this like? Hold on. One is this a sport, and two, I guess it is. But I'm confused. Is this, are they? Is this a is this a club that's inching is, in towards? This is American darts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like like when you, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I get sucked into some of these British fucking dart tournaments, man. Oh, like dude, they're fucking hype. It's amazing how yeah, like literally that's the word. It's amazing how hype a fucking crowd can be over like I mean a dart is like four and a half inches of just. Really? I mean, it's not even something you can really witness without cameras. But man, these people, they go nuts for it. I do think that there is something intriguing about watching the human animal be so accurate. Yeah. Just with whatever it is they're doing. So I think we beloved quarterbacks because, like, put it right in there. You put it where only his guy could catch it. You know, blah, 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 blah. A dart, that's pinpoint accuracy. And watching these cornhole videos, like, God Damn, you guys just ruined a fucking backyard activity. Yeah. I mean, dude, uh, me and my buddy Dave, we used to ruin a backyard barbecue in a hurry on a cornhole board. Like, we would stay away from cornhole, cornhole boards because we're pretty fucking good. And people would just be like, dude, this isn't fun anymore. Like, you've been standing here for five hours just getting hammered, and you're still not missing. And people would like, <laughs> we were at a Fourth of July, and they were like, seriously, just get off the fuck boards. Like, all right, cool. That's not like, so I get what you're saying. Like, it's fucking, if you play a guy that's really that good or you watch this shit, you're just like, wow, it's not darts. I think it's a little bit more exciting than darts. It's not, I agree. It's not for me. Darts is an English thing. I like, I liken this too. And I, this is because I just, I, not that I don't know about cornhole. I don't know about cornhole being competed upon at a collegiate level. Are these yeah. two getting scholarships to play? in a club league or is cornhole revolutionizing and becoming a division one sport? Cause I'm again, I liken this to like pitch perfect where it's like, yeah, we have this acapella thing. Like, Oh wow. This underground, uh, an, an entire underground society where people uh, do acapella songs and we compete in national championships. I had no idea. And, I mean, is, is, is this inching towards sport? Yeah, yeah. So what I, I'm gathering, and just as I look, because I've seen, so the American Cornhole League is a professional cornhole association. It's the sure MLB I've seen that of cornhole, right? So my understanding right now is that 
like it's ramping up towards being like an NCAA one like sanctioned sport. So it's an intramural or club sport like right now. And like the American Cornhole League facilitates like you setting that up at your college or university if you're interested in it. And then they have like a national championship, like a national collegiate cornhole championship. And so I think, like you said, it's right now a club like niche thing. But as it picks up steam and like kids are like getting scholarships out of high school, I think it might legit become like a sanctioned NCAA sport or it stays a club sport. And this is just what it is. But I mean, like I'm looking here like the ACL college tailgate tour. So like these all have teams like there's Texas, Florida, SMU, TCU, Notre Dame, Duke. South Carolina, Minnesota, Iowa, Florida State, Wake Forest, Central Florida, Cincinnati, Virginia, NC State. So, I mean, like, Vanderbilt, Tennessee. These are big fucking schools. Yeah. Yeah. That are getting in on the action. Now, I, 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 again, it's going to come down to semantics for me. I don't like calling it a sport. I don't think darts is a sport. I don't think bowling is a sport. But I think they're competitive activities. Um, But it's, I think something like cornhole is... It might have an opportunity to bring in more revenues than some, you know, than even like a lacrosse. Because with cornhole, you can advertise beer. It's a backyard activity. You can advertise charcoal. You can advertise meats. You can have, I mean, the advertising opportunities for something like this is like what I think will propel it to be a much more, um, much more visible sport. I'll call it a sport for this instance. Um, but like, so it's it, it's it's fascinating to watch. I would watch that on ESPN. I'm not going to lie. I know you guys are big golfers. I would watch a cornhole tournament before I'd watch a full golf tournament. I think it's more exciting than that because the action's constant. And the, the, the there's also um, drama. There's a lot of buildup. You see like four bags on a board and you're like, oh, man, that hole's blocked. And then all of a sudden somebody just like ninja stars it through and pulls three bags in at the same time. Like, God damn, that's a. That that he's a he's a goddamn magician. A lot, a lot of blocked holes and unblocking holes. So yeah, man, leave that leave that there for you. <laughs> I'm just surprised they're continuing to call it cornhole. I mean, what else do you call it? At this I point? don't know. It's got. I'm sure there's a technical name for it. Maybe Listen, all I'm saying is I want it to reach the level of darts. Now that you've compared it to darts in the UK, like I want it to reach that level. I think it will. I, I honestly think it will. Athletes going to the fucking cornhole tournament. And oh. if they're if there is an entrepreneur out there who has started a league who thinks they can be profitable with it, they are going to entice colleges to de- like if otherwise you're just going to get backyard hillbillies, right? Yeah. There was a point where NASCAR was nothing but old school moonshiners and their kids, mm-hmm. backyard fucking hillbillies. Now these guys are just as a- probably just as athletic as like your F1 drivers. They just drive a different type of car. So you gotta like fa- you gotta find a farm system, and if you want to get a farm system that's not literally from a farm, <laughs> you have to start giving fucking scholarships out. So here's 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 my next question: Does this disrupt Title IX, or do they do it co-ed? This is this is another one of those things where I think co-ed, yeah. like like tennis. I think you have a men's division, a women's division, and a a, a doubles division and a mixed doubles division. Mixed doubles, okay, yeah. I just think because there's only so many scholarships that have been given out, and I, I don't know the dynamic of Winthrop University and what you know scholarships they do or don't have to give out, but I can't help but think that there's a member of the brass and woodwind section of the marching band who are no longer have a scholarship. Probably. Who are like, sorry, listen, uh, 
Scotch has been revoked. We got two cornholers coming in, some two real hot shots from Colorado. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, uh, Mikey trombone player. Yeah, but to be fair, you know, the trombone player ain't getting that fucking sweet, sweet guitar center money from the NIL deal. You know what I mean? But fucking <laughs> goddamn if Keith Stone ain't fucking showing up with a giant check at the fucking cornhole tournament, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> Fuck it. It is what it is, man. Money's money. Keith I- Stone. That's funny. Well, isn't it okay? Isn't it better to like promote sports that people are already familiar with? You know, like every everybody our age has played cornhole, and we all had dreams. Like Alan, like we felt Fourth of July, we held that cornhole board down. Well, yeah. Well, why not? Why don't we promote this and people will tune in? People will tune in because it's a skill that they think they have, but man, they can ogle it. How much better these guys are! Like I. It's just right for the taking, man. I mean, it's the same reason I think we champion like skateboarding in the Olympics now. Like these are backyard activities that most people our age participated in, and then it just got to a level where we were no longer competitive, and now we idolize these people that are so much better than we ever could be. Mm-hmm. Well, that and I mean, I assume that the Winthrop University sees it as a revenue stream. It is a money making business, so. There's that. Uh, Alan, tell all the prospect cornholers and the would-be 4th of Julyers who cross paths with you and your buddy Dave where you can find the middle class holes. You can find us inside fucking making fun of you for being shitty at fucking cornhole. No, you can find <laughs> us at the American Cornhole League Championships fucking next May, uh, I believe, in Boise, Idaho. I'm just making shit up at this point. Uh, but, but for real, if you want to check us out, you can find us on all your favorite social media platforms. We're at MDL Class Holes on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're the Middle Class Holes on Facebook and TikTok and whatever other platforms we're on. And of course, for your listening pleasures, check us out. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We also do have a YouTube kind of remind me of that today we have one of those people like seeing our faces maybe probably not but they're there if you want to yeah our youtube channel is so ebb and flow man we get like 2300 views a day on one uh one short and then three the next day so can't really can't really figure it we out need to monetize that bad boy how do we get like 75 cents a month rolling in how do we get <laughs> a thousand a thousand subscribers uh, how many do we have 482 Ooh, we close mm-hmm. all right yeah, we need double our efforts here. We need to get a hot chick on the show. So we, I think, I think we, we have any local porn stars. <laughs> I don't know if Baltimore is really the a feeding ground for local porn hey, talent. Do, I'm sure. There's, I'm sure there's an OnlyFans hoe from Baltimore that's got a million followers. Like. Come on, hey, hey, listen, hey, we, if you happen to stumble across the middle-class holes OnlyFans hoe from Baltimore and you would like to come on, <laughs> come check us out. We won't call you OnlyFans hoe because it is a legitimate revenue stream for a young lady like yourself. <laughs> Stole the words out of my mouth. I was about to say, we're going to have a tough time. Like, hey, Baltimore hoe, we want you on the podcast. It's, uh, it's colloquial. It's fun. It's I have a feeling right. that the only person with a million followers in Baltimore's screen name is Baltimore hoe. uh we have one listener comment that's worth mentioning uh this comes via youtube short renegades of funk uh this is where you talked about your friend who misinterpreted renegades of funk as redneck gays at fuck uh username is is amazing the comment 
it's kind of wishy-washy, but I know it'll spark a conversation amongst us three. Waka Waka 1976. So, you know, someone's a, a Muppets fan from the mid-'80s. Great name. Uh, he says, or she says, don't know, uh, you know they, they say, rather, Rage Against the Machine is pro-government now. They are authoritarian Democrats or rather support that. Things have totally flipped, and it's metal or punk to be conservative. Who believes in freedom of speech, and the government can't tell you what to do? As as an old punk, go wow. fuck yourself. They really walk. <laughs> yeah. They really walk. That wasn't the path I was anticipating. I was not either. And I always love these people. They're like they got so political. Oh yeah, yeah they did. You're right. Yep, they never talked politics once. Yes, Rage Against the Machine, translation, yeah. angry with the government. Got it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How did, where'd that Same come from? Saying they're pro-government now. That's what I'm saying. They flipped. That's what Waka Waka 1976 is saying. Yeah, I don't think that's uh, necessarily true. In fact, they got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame recently, and the only person that showed up was Tom Morello, um, who, I mean... The band probably wouldn't exist without that guy, but he's it's I like don't know, Zach is a beast. But yeah. Uh that yeah, this is just it's I can't believe this is even a conversation we're having. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Wes. Thanks for picking like the worst comment to get us. Gotta pick the comment about the uh the, the latex glove, you know, anything of that, you know. Oh. No, I think he picked it because he knew for once me and you were both gonna roll our eyes and be yeah. like, Really, you fucking idiot? Like <laughs> And I have heard a lot of this, like, punk, punk's the new conservative. It's like, you better fucking stop. Go walk into a punk show and say that shit. Hey, <laughs> Beyonce, Beyonce's the new country star. So, I mean. Yeah. Hey, well, fuck it. Country's trash anyway. <laughs> Gives a fuck. Up is down. Cats and dogs getting along. That's just where we are now. Okay. So, we'll, we'll end on this one. Uh, I was like, was it, buy, was it buying condoms or buying, was it? I don't know. do this year. Loving with latex. Yeah. That's where I talk, in, the, in the comment where I says so and so chickened out and they bought a bag of latex gloves five times. Being safe and frugal for the win. Blickety blow. We appreciate the comments. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> safe and frugal. Okay. Woo. Woo. Yeah. We practice safe sex and fiscal responsibility here at the middle class holes. Follow <laughs> <laughs> for more tips. Stop being so <laughs> political with your conservative values, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Social liberal, fiscal conservative. <laughs> latex glove condoms I'm for it <laughs> we'll be at the cornhole tournament in Boise, Idaho with a boombox ready to rock <laughs> we got small, medium, large gloves whatever you need <laughs> we call the largest magnums but that's neither here nor there <laughs> just the thumbs <laughs> alright All right. thumbs. Connor Newcomb thank you again for joining folks tune in next week Middle Class Souls. peace <laughs>